Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Pull Apart Podcast. And this is a uh, group of side episodes we might be doing. This one uh, is the first, and we'll be calling this Bastards of the Universe. Yes. Talking about <laughs> He-Man series on Netflix. I'm James Prophet, and here with me tonight is... Hey, it's Bill. How's it going? All right, so... We have been wanting, we've already talked about it together, we've been wanting to talk about it more. Schedules keep not working out with um, our group of scruffy-looking nerf herders. Yeah. We just decided when any of us can, we're just going to pull together and talk about this, and when we can finally all get together, maybe we'll talk about the whole run. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Just, just, grab, just grab them when we can get them. The scheduling is nuts, so yeah, this is James' great idea to hop on here tonight and uh, talk about episode one of the Netflix series, so um, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about it because uh, I'd love to hear your take on it and uh, just with my, what I've seen online and everything and people talking about it, it's pretty interesting. Um, I don't know, before we get into it, James, you want to talk about our a brief personal history of He-Man and growing up as a good, healthy child of the 80s who <laughs> loved and enjoyed every moment of that. Absolutely. And filmation insanity. <laughs> <laughs> Not for this podcast, there's like a one in five chance He-Man will somehow surface in our day-to-day conversations with each other, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'll go first. Um, first saw He-Man. I think I saw <coughs> the cartoon first. I think I saw the cartoon before the toys, and fell in love with it. Being a little boy, I now realize I was um, specifically catered to by the marketers and creators. Uh, who made He-Man due to the tremendous amount of market research they did before they made this property. Uh, But yeah, I was, I think, five years old when I first discovered it. And man, it was the highlight. One of the highlights of my day would be getting home from school and then He-Man coming on in the afternoon. I remember watching it on a little black and white TV. And uh, then sometimes I'd get to watch it on the color TV in the house. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. The cartoon led to collecting the toys. You know, they were five bucks a piece, which, um, you know, that was my allowance back. Yeah. So I could, like, get an allowance and then go buy a He-Man toy for $4.99. Um, yeah, I, gosh, I played with them. I loved them. Um, had some of the extra stuff. Had Castle Grayskull. I had a Sink Mountain. I had a couple of the trucks, and I had the cats. And, um, uh, Gosh. And then when I even stopped playing He-Man with them, I kept them because I would wrestle with them when I <laughs> started doing that. So, Oh, so you recycled them into with uh, the WWF rubbery figures? Is that that crossover? did, yeah. Yeah, I, nice. Man, when I was like five, and then I got into wrestling when I was like seven, so they like right overlapped with each other. Um, Yeah, I loved He-Man. And then something that might come up again but like you know went off the air you know it's just they weren't really available to watch with a lack of on-demand services but 
when me and Bill and Nick, hey Nick, shout out, all met in college. Yeah. Semester for midterms and finals. It became a tradition after a couple of years where we would go to the local Blockbuster video. We'd rent all the He-Man VHSs that they had because they had some. And then we would watch 80s cartoons, uh, in particular He-Man, I think, uh, for midterms and finals. Yeah, and it was crazy that they had the He-Man episodes that they did. Like, it wasn't like people cared about He-Man in, you know... Like the year late, late, you know, early 2000s and everything else like they would now as, you know, we're older and we care about that stuff more. But like it was random that they just had the handful of VHSs. And yeah, and and yeah, it was that. And I remember we'd get like the, you know, G.I. Joe movie and man, Eric Croxton would be there with us and Jeremy and yeah, just and just watching it again, because at that point, I hadn't watched an episode of He-Man uh, since I was a kid until until I was in college again. Because, again, it's, you know, yeah. you, you, unless unless you taped it, you didn't own it. That was it. I mean, that was it. You know, was it exactly. So um, you notice a lot of stuff you didn't notice as a kid, <laughs> like the way he ran looked kind of cheesy oh yeah i mean they just recycled the same clips like they had to draw he-man running once and that was it like he just they just had him running all over the place yep i mean it's yeah a lot of that was interesting like okay you know because when you're a kid you don't see that crap you're just you know spazzing out because things are blowing up and there's a giant fish man with a killer voice and skeletor is this being a jerk to everybody which is amazing and yeah so when you were a kid did you identify who did did you have more of an alliance for uh the good or the evil or did you like them equal so i will say i was all about the good guys when i was a kid right yeah so um it was just funny because i'm assuming you were about the cool looking monsters right oh man yeah this was i mean the combination of he-man and then uh every second of jabba's palace in return of the jedi is really the two things i would point to is like why i love weird shit now okay uh, because this is so freaking cool like i and i don't know how like you have the guy, you know, dude with Dutch boy painter haircut versus Skeletor. I mean, how can you not root for Skeletor and a fish dude and Beast guy and Triclot? You know, I mean, just all these guys are just crazy. And then you get like the people. Like, who cares about the freaking people? They're, you know, I don't know. I mean, they they had cool characters, but man. Every version of Beast and Mer Man, like, it's just so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy, yeah. And the voice is just incredible. Like, and then you see the behind the scenes stuff because there's a really awesome documentary on Netflix. It's not the toys that made us. It's it's another one just like about the creation of the show and everything. I think it's called By the Power of Grayskull. That's it. That's it. And it kills me because they were saying how they originally, the original working name for Merman was Seaman. And they're like, okay, we can't leave it that way. (laughs) So they had to like, you know, 
which I don't know. It's just like you look back at it now with He Man. That's what makes it great. Like, what is he? He's a beast. Okay, he's Beast Man. <laughs> like the naming is just spot on. It's so good. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so Bill, talk to us about your history with He Man. Yeah, I mean, kind of the same with you. I mean, I just loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, the bad guys were through and through my favorite. I mean, I think as a kid, I owned maybe I owned He-Man, like a He-Man figure, and I owned Orko because I really liked Orko. Okay. Um, because, I mean, what kid didn't? I mean, he's just goofy and, like, cute and whatever. Um, but I don't think I owned... Well, crap, now that I think about it. I had Ram Man because he was cool. His figure was cool with, like, the triggered yep. uh, foot in the spring and all that. And uh, the robot. Yeah, I, no, I owned wow. more of the good guys than I thought. But, like, every good guy that I owned was, like a non-human good guy because right people were just lame i mean roboto was super cool uh stratos is awesome yeah but yeah i mean the bad guys i mean i just couldn't get enough of them like the day i mean i distinctly remember the day my mom bought me whiplash uh at kb toys at the eastgate mall and just like losing my freaking mind and opening him up in the mall and like playing with him in the plants and everything. Oh man, this is so freaking cool! Like you know yeah. the rubbery tail and everything. Like they could not have done a better job designing toys for kids at that point. No, no, yeah. they. Could. <laughs> oh my gosh, so freaking great! All right, so, so yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask since you mentioned Whiplash being so cool. I had, like, the one, right? Like, some kids will have, like, the stuffed animal. With my He-Man, I definitely definitely had a favorite. A favorite good guy and a favorite bad guy. So, mine was Cyclone for the good guy. Oh, sweet. Yeah, his figure was cool. And then Leech for the bad guys. Oh, hell yeah. Like, the Horde. Like, his figure was cool, too. I had, like... Him and then that, oh man, I can't remember the, the dude that had the eyes that popped out. Oh, uh, man. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, all of the Horde figures, I mean, those are, I mean, that's a whole other. And that's what threw me off because like, and and again, it's like funny stuff you remember as a kid because like Hordak was freaking awesome. And mm-hmm. like the Horde were even better. Like they were yeah. like the A team of awesome creatures. Like. The figure of Leech, like, you get the little suction cup wet with, like, spitting on it or whatever, and then you, like, hook him onto the window. Yeah. freaking great. So cool. And then yet, like, it was in the girl show. Like, you know, I mean, that was the thing. Like, and I remember getting into a fight with uh, this kid named Jason Burkle in kindergarten, right? So kindergarten, I don't remember anything about kindergarten because I was a spaz, and yet... At Halloween, we're dressed up, and I'm dressed up as Hordak, and dumb Jason Burkle's dressed up as a bumblebee, and he's making okay. fun of me because I'm dressed up as a character from a girl show, so I started hitting that kid. Screw that. Hordak's awesome. Like, yeah. I, have the, I have the plastic mask, mask and the trash bag material costume, <laughs> you know. 
Oh, so freaking cool. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, and the play sets were just great. Like, it's it's really, really good. Like, and I, and it's funny because when I was watching episodes and everything, um, and, uh, like, just writing down my thoughts on them and whatnot, like, I was, I, I had a thought that hit me, and I don't know if it's one of those uh, just being a really good lit student from college who can like make up a full essay about what a tree means as like reading too much into it you know what i mean instead of like no it's just a tree like you're making shit up but like the whole episode of the triclops cult yeah worshiping technology uh and then like the loss of magic in the world Mm -hmm. like i had a i had a, a thought hit me that i I would like to think is profound, but you know, um, I don't know. I can talk share about that now or save it until episode two when we talk about it or whatever. We'll talk um, about it then, but I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So it's so I was thinking about it and I was like, just watching the, the show again and just thinking about it. And I'm like, this was, and it sounds cliche, but cliches are true for a reason, but like, just straight up like freaking childhood magic yeah the hours of playing with those figures and watching the show and you know like you said taking the you know the 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 figures and throwing them into the wrestling ring with you know whoever uh it's just like straight up magic like these these are the memories that like we'll never freaking forget like you know i'll never forget you know, taking Buzz off, okay? So another good guy, but he was a giant insect. And, Uh like, flying him around my family's Christmas tree like he was on some secret mission. Like, just straight-up freaking childhood magic. You see what I mean? I do. So, you know, so for everyone out there, like, I'm an elementary school teacher, so, and I have been for... This is my 19th year of of teaching and I've taught mostly fourth grade for my career. And now I'm in a spot where I'm teaching uh, fifth graders all the way through kindergarten. And so I'm watching the Triclops cult episode and, you know, they're talking about how there's no more magic in the world and everything's technology. And let me. uh, So this is what I wrote. In my notes for that. So I said, uh, deep end thought, because I'm like, all right, I'm taking He-Man to the deep end here. I was growing up with old He-Man and the toys and imagination. And I was like, I said, just like equals magic. The childhood experience was magic. Now, now it's tech. And that has corrupted that magic toys that filled imagination has switched to apps that allow them to post videos of them dancing in their training bras. And and I use that as an example because there was a thing that blew up at my school where a fifth grader, as with all the fifth graders who are on TikTok, so if you have any if you're listening to this and you have children on TikTok, get them off of TikTok. It's a freaking sewer. Uh and this this fifth grade girl was posting videos of herself dancing in her training bra. 
and then these videos are being shared around by other fifth graders yeah. uh, throughout the school. So that's so that's where it is. So that's where I took it of, you know, yeah. and, you know, and I and I know that, you know, I've joked about being like Bitter Bill and crap like that before. But I would say as more and more of these apps become more and more prevalent with kids, um, it feels less like we're teaching elementary and more like we're teaching middle school because yeah. kids are coming to school mad at each other, not because of what happened in the neighborhood, which I think is different. It feels different completely, but yeah. they're mad at each other because of what they're saying about each other online. And then you have these fourth grade boys who are sending sexually explicit messages to other kids in fourth grade it's just a, a freaking sewer. So like watching that Triclops cult, I'm like, this feels like what's happened to kids now. Like magic is gone in their world and it's been replaced by this terrible technology that deforms them into these creatures. There is this really fascinating, uh, really good Chuck Klosterman essay. I think it's in Sex, Drugs and Cocoa Puffs, though it may be in Eating the Dinosaur. But essentially, it's about he has a niece, and this was written like 20 years ago, okay? His niece played The Sims video game, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was giving this example where, like, if he – the whole essay was about this. If he were to ask his niece, how did her unicorn go – you know, how, how did her unicorn come to miss a foot? She'd come up with, like, this amazing backstory and all this stuff, all these details. And it was just yeah. a, off the top of her head. But she had this big explanation as to why the unicorn was missing a foot. And But when he played The Sims with her, he's like, now, why can't my character go into this room? She would just be like, because he can't. Like, but I want him to. Why is it – What's what ma- like, what law is keeping him out of this room? He just can't, okay? And like, yeah, that, like there was no imagination. There was no world. There was no story. No. Was, you can do this. You cannot do this. And that's unfortunate. That kind of displays that video games really aren't toys in the sense where like, you know, toys really do engage your imagination a lot more. Video game is like being told a story now, if it's a good one, whereas a. You know, with your toys, you're inventing stories, you're imagining, you're becoming later, <coughs> you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I will say, that was awesome, by the way. The loss of innocence metaphor uh, really made me think of um, the never-ending story. And so I actually have uh, He-Man playing here, and it's the part where, in the first episode, they're at the feast. And I thought, you know, somebody was thinking, like... Hey, I know what you want. You want to eat. That's a good idea. And I thought to myself, no, it's a great idea. And then I had this peanut butter sandwich here, and I'm just going to take a bite. And we still have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, That's any never ending story fans out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. Dude, that was spot on, man. Um, the cult of technology, it is. It's, And you see like people training like their real healthier selves to become, quote-unquote, enhanced with tech, but it's just making them a slave to something. Yeah, well, and then it's even scarier because in, there was this article that I read 
that I desperately wish I would have kept because I would share it with everybody and it would probably really annoy them how much I would share it with them. But it was this pediatrician and the whole premise was like, okay, so you're thinking about putting your kids on meds and, and, and this guy was, was not pro or anti meds. He is a doctor and he just put out this thing and he's like, look, you know, meds for some kids are really necessary i mean as a teacher i've experienced children that it did a world of good for them and i've also experienced children who you know they were put on them and perhaps that was not the right decision and it really screwed things up you know for many reasons and uh you know, so this guy was like, look, here in, in my, in his humble professional opinion, he's like, look, here are these five things you should try uh, if your child is experiencing, like, it was more of like a behavioral thing. Like if your child's having behavioral problems, not, you know, other things or whatever. Okay. And, uh, and the one of the things that he had said, and I can't remember the other ones, but this one stuck with me. And he's like, just monitor how much time they're spending on devices wow. and and then you know and the and i'm paraphrasing to a great extent right now but he pointed out he's like you know too much time on a device like essentially messes with an adult's mind and mm -hmm. our minds are already set like what you know i can't remember what age it is but like you know our neurons are there. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. You know, we're, we can do things to help and all that. But like, so anyways, there's things like the evidence is there that the, these devices screw with adult minds. So imagine what they do to a mind that's still forming. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so and that's so he was just like, look, just cut the device time. If they're spending a lot of time on devices, just cut it and see if that helps any. And and that stuck with me and I, you know, and maybe that's a confirmation bias or whatever, but there are certain kids at school that, you know, they behave a certain way. And then through a conversation, I find out all they do when they get home is just play video games and they're on their phones and they're on their tablets nonstop. Yeah. And it just makes sense. You know, I mean, and I'll never forget, you know, there was a couple years ago where, uh, I had made some sort of reference about capture the flag in class and a ton of kids were really excited. They're like, Oh, I love playing capture the flag and everything. And, you know, and it, and again, it's a generational thing. I get that. Like, I know, I know I'm not the first teacher who's like, Oh my gosh, these freaking kids, like whatever. Right. But, <clears throat> and I was really excited. Cause I'm like, wow, these, these kids play capture the flag. That's great. Capture the flag is freaking great. And I was like, well, where do you play? Do you play in your neighborhood? Do you play in the woods? Or where do you play? And they're like, oh, no, it was it was all Minecraft. Like, what the heck? You know, you know I don't want to crap on Minecraft. Whatever. It's fun. Like, it's way better than some of the other stuff kids are getting into. Okay. But it's one of those things I'm like, man, you guys should get a chance to play Capture the Flag outside, you know? And I don't know. So that just struck me like it. the tech has just consumed everything because like these kids growing up, like, and this is where I feel sad for them. Like, you know, you and I could go on 
forever, like talking about how we played with these figures and set up the sets and set up the castles and yeah. cram, crammed all the toys together to make our own freaking universe and like all sorts of awesome shit we did in our basement or wherever when we were doing this. Mm-hmm. And then what are they going to do later on? We'd be like, oh yeah, that uh, that season of Fortnite was really cool. Remember that? And then it's like, what the hell, man? This is not the same. You know, it's it's the tech cult. You know, that's it. And 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 aside from all that, I mean, <clears throat> there is the other stuff that has really serious repercussions, like you know, uh, growing up as a fifth grader, posting what I would say would be strip teases online for people to see where does that go from there? You know, that only goes down from there. I mean, that's that. And that's scary, you know, so. It is. uh, Yeah. That's my soapbox on that. (laughs) Yeah. Like an adult, that's depressing because like you see that kid, they're going to get a lot of attention. They're going to think all the attention's good and the short term rush and that'll make them happy. doing it and the rush will go away and again you need that's a sick cycle but the rush stops being a rush and at that point you're just trapped in the sick cycle i do this thing because <laughs> i want attention the attention doesn't make me happy i do this thing to get more attention yeah and yeah i was well, adults fall into that so imagine what's going on through a kid's mind i mean i was listening to a <laughs> today it was um let me actually find the name of the video in case anybody wants to look it up um hold on i'm bringing it up right now okay uh have you heard of that book the subtle art of not giving a fuck i think you've mentioned it at some point uh the name rings a bell but i don't know much about it other than like that does sound familiar All right, so this guy wrote a book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, and the book, what it's actually about is, like, he kind of titled it like that so it intentionally kind of go against all the self-help books that he felt didn't work, but it is supposed to be kind of a self-help-inspiring book, and his solution is, like, the way to not give a fuck about things that aren't important is to find important things to give a fuck about, and... He, at the beginning, uh, in chapter one or two, he kind of goes over like these true, what he feels like are truths in life that are kind of counterintuitive. And so it's stuff like if you try to become more spiritual and enlightened and you focus all your energy on being more spiritual and enlightened, you're just going to become more self-centered. If you, you know, think of yourself, you know, like if you try to become somebody who is seen as beautiful and you know attractive then you're never going to feel beautiful and attractive because all your opinion is wrapped up in what other people are thinking about you and you go, <coughs> goes your example if you're trying to be seen as an intelligent person you're never going to feel like one because your energy is just going into what other people see you so it goes for example and after example of things like that and i think if you <laughs> at a young age fall into the trap of well, my worth is what other people think of me. Yeah. It's hard to break out of that. To the oh, point, yeah. The 10 school, the 10 year high school reunion, right? The, I heard this before I went to mine, like a year or two, and I thought about it. And I went, when I went to mine, the, 
I, our school was so big. I don't know if there were popular people, quote unquote. Uh, I heard there were, but I was just like, yeah. oh, they're around there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> caring about any of it. But the the theory was that like if somebody was really popular in high school, you'll see them at this ten year reunion. And they're standing off to themselves because they got so used to people like coming up to them that they have no idea how to just strike up conversation with people. Right. And I did see like people that would show up and like they were in their like prom dresses or homecoming dresses from high school. And they're just kind of off in a corner standing by themselves. Oh, jeez. Because they, <clears throat> yeah, it was like, I don't know if they know how to not just have people want to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that was in my head because it was presented to me before that, but it was like, that might be true to see that. But anyway, all that to say, yeah, that girl dancing around, that's depressing for a lot of reasons. Uh, not the least of which is what it might do long-term for her own mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, and then that idea of like, um, you know, the whole tech part of it in, in that book that you're mentioning, like it, and, for, and, and I, we all fall victim to it and, you know, and it's all everything, but it's just like the, the technology makes it really easy for us to care a whole lot about stuff that should not be uh, yeah. considered much more than like a passing thought. You know, and that and that's my thing. I'll you know, I'll catch myself just watching these stupid videos and I'm like, what am I adding to my life right now? Uh in this twenty minute span that I'm giving to this mindless bullshit. You know, and it's and it's you know and that's why I thought that you know, I don't know if that was like the the greater message of the triclops techno cult. Uh, that Kevin Smith put together and whatever, or was he just thinking, okay, Skeletor is gone, bad guys are going to fill in the space, and let's just make it robots instead of magic, you know? So again, I yeah, I, I fully acknowledge this could be an overblown, uh, putting way more importance into something instead of just acknowledging that, like, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> type of thing but yeah yeah it works on a lot of levels you know and i think i read this one thing by the way um backtrack for half a second that the yeah. song giving a fuck i mentioned that's a youtube video the one i'm talking about is summarized by the author so the guy who wrote it has a 37 minute video where apparently there were like two dozen youtube videos summarizing his book and he, he's just like screw that i'm gonna do it so why shouldn't i yeah. go? i'm gonna summarize my own book damn it yeah no that's cool i'd like to see that but well, uh, i remember you shared that that audio with me uh go unfuck yourself unfuck which yourself. was really good yeah great book yeah <clears throat> so what you had just said you know like is it is a pipe just the pipe you know um, mm -hmm. um so this writer i'd read something where um some English student in college him and asked him if symbolism symbolism was something writers intentionally did when they wrote their books. And he said, well, I can't speak for everyone, but 
for myself and for you know my friends who are also writers no we don't intentionally put symbolism into our books however because life itself is symbolic you can't help but have symbolism in your stories because naturally things will come as good representation little things will become good representations of something larger and that's the poetry of life so um nice. yeah with movies television like shorter forms of media where like you know i don't know if you've ever read like a movie script or a tv script but essentially like one page is worth like one minute of airtime. oh that's cool and yeah and the way they do pages it's very spaced out it's like double space character name double space line double space character name double space line um double space stage direction and that's like one minute that's kind of the rule it's like one page to one minute this is about how it works out but um stuff like that you do have to be a lot more intentional with things like symbolism just because you have a shorter amount of you know words and um you know mediums to get your point across but in a book i can see how maybe it would happen accidentally quite a bit oh yeah yeah so because it's the time that you have you got to get it out there quick versus like the slow boil you know in, in written text now i see what you're saying yeah yeah so anyway guys that's what we think about he-man <laughs> yeah 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 i you know so i i mean going back into episode one um yes. i don't know if you want to talk about like some favorite moments or just some like things that like um, nerded I out over i mean the you know and the thing is i don't know how much of you you've read online i haven't read much of it because i i kind of don't care for this argument like i've read zero. Was, <clears throat> well there's there's a huge backlash there's it seems against this he-man with uh what would i'm sure would consider themselves the true fans mm -hmm. um and you know there's like some facebook pages i follow like that are he-man related and you know every time there's an advertisement for the netflix he-man I read the comments just to see what, you know, people are saying. And they're like, well, thanks for ruining my childhood. You know, so it's that whole thing. Like, oh, you've ruined my childhood. And I can never understand that argument because uh, it's, it's kind of like the argument people would make about the special edition Star Wars versus the original Star Wars or the uh -huh. argument people made when they did the female Ghostbusters versus the old Ghostbusters. And, and like, it, it, it's almost as if these people are under the impression that uh, there's going to be a squad of dressed in black militant, like, stormtroopers that are going to, like, kick down the door and like destroy your old he-man dvds and like throw and throw your toys away or like come and destroy your uh ghostbuster tapes it's like the way once was like it's not like jj abrams just going door to door <laughs> <laughs> right that's it so like you know jj abrams with the new star wars like he's coming with uh a version of bradbury's fireman from a 
Fahrenheit 451 and like it's going to burn all of your <laughs> it's like guys don't watch it like is it really going to do like a you know let's I'll just keep throwing more references out like is there some sort of like men in black device that erases the memories of your childhood having he-man I don't know that argument just always felt like such bullcrap to me like you can dislike what they did with the character I didn't like what they did with the character of Luke Skywalker in the the newer trilogy but you know what I can go back and watch Return of the Jedi and there's Luke Skywalker the way I like him yeah you know what I mean so like man freaking yeah set Moss Man on fire fuck that that was awesome like when they did that like I was so freaking pumped because talking about childhood like 10 year old well not even 10 year old but like six seven year old Bill McFarland was losing his mind that the bad guys were winning I was playing with He-Man He-Man when I was 10 (laughs) yeah well yeah yeah absolutely but like man bad guys winning yeah like mark hamill is a freaking genius when he dropped the line let this be our final battle like a callback to the live action movie Mm -hmm. holy crap like so freaking cool and the intro art where like he's on the throne and evil lens all sprawled out over there it's like oh man so freaking good (laughs) god bless everyone who worked on this show because it's so flipping awesome you saw it before I did, and when I yeah. when I texted you, like, how was it? You said, like, dude, it's a total love letter to him. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Like, at the very beginning, they have that painting. Like, it looks like a painting, but essentially it's artwork from one of the He-Man comics. It's yeah. got the, it's the uh, packaging art. Yeah, and oh, my gosh. Oh, dude, all right. Can we talk about the uh, the intro title, right? Yeah. Introduce the episode. Um, they mythologize it. They say the center of the universe on the planet Eternia is Castle Grayskull, ancient ancient fortress of mystery. Its power sought by the dark forces of Snake Mountain. And then they go on to call say it's defended by an army of the honorable. Um, and for those who control Grayskull, control the power to be the masters of the universe and do. That intro is so fucking badass. Yeah. Fucking badass doesn't do it justice. Yeah, and it just just like, again, as a a 41-year-old adult, I felt the excitement watching that like I did when I was a kid. And that transformation (coughs) was so freaking cool. Like, I, if anything about the show that, I mean, they're watching it the second time, I have a few more criticisms of like, okay, this character is getting kind of annoying to me. And I have another deep end thought on, on that as well. Like, uh, it's to the point, it's like the difference between like how Tila handled, uh, stuff versus like the, the older characters, you know? And again, it's probably, uh, and rightfully so, I guess I would be accused of having like a generational bias, but like the Gen X, like, and which you and I, I would consider us in because, like, I think we're Gen never, X. never call me a millennial. Like, sorry, <laughs> a lot of my friends and family members are, but it's just like 
the feeling of, okay, yeah, life sucks, but you carry on and you got to take care of people and keep moving versus like, I'm just going to run away and cry about it. And everybody owes me something. I I don't know. That is extremely hyperbolic, but that was the thought that I had watching uh, the most dangerous man in Eternia episode. Like, Teal is just mad at everybody. Everyone owes her an apology. And there's man-at-arms, like, taking care of everybody and still trying to get shit done. Mm-hmm. You know, and still getting Orko his poor little cups of magic water because he's, like, starving to death. It's, um, gosh, what is it? there's this, I'm watching Scrubs right now with my free time. I've been doing this for off and on for about two years. So I still haven't made it through the run. I think I'm on season three right now. Yeah, yeah. A year, a year, about a year and a half. And um, there's just, there's this episode that's about to come up with um, Dr. Cox is yelling at Matthew Perry because Matthew Perry has a complicated relationship with his father. His yeah. father and me, right? And so <laughs> Dr. Cox at some point yells and I was like, hey, yeah, sure, that guy's a jerk, but he's stuck around. So you're going to stick around for him right now and give him your kidney so he can live. And Matthew Perry goes like, geez, fine, okay. And, like, that's it. Like, he just gets yelled at, and he immediately, like, just goes with it. Because right. deep down, we kind of know, like, once we get past our own crap, like, there is stuff that needs to get done. So, I right. get that, like, man-at-arms is taking care of business, and Tila, to be fair, I feel like her whole worldview is kind of shaken, and she feels like she has to reinvent her life to yeah, get absolutely. ground under her feet. So. I don't criticize that too much, but I, I do understand what you're saying. There was one part. I'm trying to remember what episode it was. But in my notes, I just wrote, shut up, Tila. Oh, we should probably. <laughs> so for anybody that hasn't seen it. <laughs> so the gist is. Um, tell me if I'm missing anything here. OK. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So there is a party going on at um, the Royal Palace. First, we yeah. are Marlena, 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 which is the queen's name. Also, if you're a Wallflowers fan, you might count that that was one, two, three. Uh, <laughs> he kind of sounds like Liam Neeson. Uh, King Randor's there. He's kind of a dick. And yeah. it's like, so the party is because Tila is going to be crazy like christened the new man at arms the head protector of the eternian royal family and palace right and so i guess the whole kingdom <laughs> and so you, they find out castle grayskull is under attack uh you see a hooded figure leading i think it's clawful it's clawful and i couldn't i meant to look up the the porcupine dude's name yeah, it's probably like Spike or like, Back. I mean, that's that's the thing. I'm going to look it up right now. But like, I mean, that's kind of the naming algorithm, right, for for He-Man characters. Like, what what are they or what do they have? And then you either put man or or at the end of it. <laughs> Actually, a running joke in our marriage. Uh, shout out to my wife, Steph. I love you so much. I hope you're starting to feel better up there. One of our running gags is. If we want to say the other one is doing something that's not good, we'll like call them a name and add or onto it. Like that's an nice. example 
Your He-Man name would be Exaggerator. I like it. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was right. I called it Spike Or. Or. Yep, 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 yep. So. All right, but yeah, so Spike Or and Coffle, they're kind of like the um, the weaklings of the Skeletor army. But, um, but dude, that toy was awesome. Spike Or with that extending arm. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah. Ah, and and he had spikes. He had spikes all over his body. Yeah. Um. So they get led to Castle Grayskull. The sorceress comes out, and then you get the reveal that um, I think He Man walks up to the sorceress. He like hugs her, but it's really this fake He Man who was an action figure. Well, no, they they do that awesome reveal where it's Skeletor is actually Spikeor. So. And then, like, the sorceress blasts him mid-sentence. And you're like, that's awesome. Skeletor is already getting roasted. That's that's pretty cool. Right. And then it cuts back and forth between that and the party. And then they show Adam at the party and then reveal that it's Faker. And, yeah. like, Mark Hamill, again, that was so do no wrong. Like, the way he, like, emphasizes certain words where he's like, He's a faker. Yeah, so freaking great. And even then, the sorceress. I mean, and this was this was cool seeing the sorceress like jacking stuff up. I mean, that was cool to see her like blasting off Faker's arm and and like mm-hmm. not even not even letting Skeletor finish what he was going to say. Like she's like, yeah, I don't have time for this bullshit, and she just blasts him on his ass, you know. So yeah, that's super cool. And so Evelyn, by the way, is the is fake clawful. And she kind of gets the cheesy line, I'm not clawful, but I am awful. Oh yeah. I wrote that down as a great line. And <laughs> man, and just real fast, like Evelyn Evelyn's amazing in this series. Like she's super cool. Oh my gosh. So what happens is that the sorceress gets attacked. She has to like put up this wall, laser wall to protect herself. She summons uh, Adam, who notifies Man-at-Arms, and so then everybody from the palace, all the warriors, take off to save Castle Grayskull. You see uh, Tila, Chris and the new Man-at-Arms, she's running out front with Fisto and Clamp Champ behind her. I geeked for that so hard. That was super cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, because I wonder, I mean, because I never, I'm not a historian on He-Man. I don't, I can't name episode in season. Nope. But I thought it was super cool that they were getting characters in that, as far as I know, some of them had never been featured in the show. Yeah, that's like the uh, beauty of the Mandalorian. You you were telling me. And all these toys that were never actually part of the Star Wars story, but yeah. they worked into the Mandalorian, so now they are. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right. So, um, yeah, they the goodies t- kind of take down Trapjaw. They take down Beastman. Uh, this all looks spectacular, by the way. The animation on this is really good. Yep. <laughs> Evelyn Zapp's uh, Man-at-Arms, the original Duncan. Um, see, 
you get the sorceress about to blast. I think it's Man at Arms, but then at the last second, Orko pops up and looks completely ba, throwing his own his own magic out to like hold. <coughs> That shot was, I loved it. I thought Orca looked tougher than he ever had. What did you think? Yeah, I I liked a lot what they did with his character. I know it gets into, like, later stuff. I mean, and they threw in the gag of, like, him screwing up the magic bubble um, for a cringer and everything. But, like, when when he was in there helping out, it was super cool. I, I liked that a lot. Yes. Yeah, so... Um... We see the horses, the good guy horse and the bad guy. Yes. Horse. Oh yeah, when Man and R made that line, he's like, "You, you go. I'll handle this nightmare." It's like freaking a. Like, come on, this, it's it's right in itself. You know what I mean? It's so good. <laughs> so good. So um, now that He Man is He Man had a uh, turned cringer into Battle Cat. They went to the castle. They show up. Um, Skeletor reveals himself. That's when he gives the let this be our final battle line from the movie. Yes. Although, given our history, you, me, and Nick, I'm slightly disappointed that Skeletor didn't say, Ah, you're all wet. No, that's Tony yeah. Clifton. What am I saying? <laughs> I just turned Skeletor into Tony Clifton, not even realizing Skeletor and Tony Clifton are essentially the same character. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. What what line were you hoping for? Him to say "fight me" and He Man to say "I'd rather not." Oh my gosh! So there. He's... Oh, well, and then and then the, this was in another. I think it was in the third episode, and I'll talk about this again when we talk about the third episode. But I I love how they throw in the flashbacks. And see, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I don't understand. Like the the neckbeards who get all pissed about. Uh, they ruined my childhood. Like, they threw in flashbacks that were straight up, like, what the old ones were like. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, you know, Tila affectionately said, yeah, he had the sense of humor of a teenager that didn't get out much. Right. You know, like, that's good, like... It's a good kind of yeah. work, you know? Um, I agree. I... Not to be the most cynical person i think a lot of people a lot of the people that didn't like it are probably just have some deep-rooted sexism because story-wise oh that's it yeah about you know well i mean that, that's that's what everyone immediately did with uh the the newer star wars um trilogy i mean granted there were parts i didn't like about it and everything but at the root of it like I mean, a lot of people were just upset that it was a, a female character that was, if it was a dude doing all that stuff, no one would have cared. But, right. you know, well, she shouldn't have gotten her powers that quickly. Why? Yeah. Is like, is the universe completely filled up and expanded already? I mean, there's no room for anything different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, but then at that point, it's going to be the people who are pissed that the special edition erased away the the little squares around the ships when they were being filmed, you know, like shut up. It's get over it. <laughs> make your own, go make your own star Wars. Quit crying. But, yeah. All right. So yeah. So, uh, Tila, Evelyn, they're fighting. It, it's awesome. Um, 
Mossman. Mossman. So they make Mossman like this godlike figure who's the protector of Eternia almost, right? Yeah. You know who who he's voiced by, right? Uh, tell me. No, he's. I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's voiced by the dude who did Skeletor in the original. <clears throat> oh, that's him. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I knew he was in it. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, the voice cast for this, by the way, is incredible. Um, Jay uh, from Jane Silent Bob, he's in it. Sarah Michelle Geller is Tila. Um, Luke Skywalker, freaking Mark. Oh Hank. yeah. Skeleton. So good. Henry Rollins is Tricops leading the cult. It's great. It's yeah. Like, it was cool because I was watching some of uh, with my daughters. I was like, hey, just watch some of this with me, whatever. And they watched some of it, and they liked they liked it okay. They didn't get super into it, but whenever Triclops was on, um, and and they're like, he was an Avatar. He was an Avatar, or no, uh, Korra, which is the sequel to the Avatar series, the, the Last Airbender, and they they were really into it and everything. And I'm like, I don't, because I knew it was Henry Rollins, and I'm like, I don't think so, you know. Because I had no idea that he had done voice work beforehand. And they're like, no, I think he was the bad guy in one of the ep- you know, seasons. And I'm like, all right, let's look it up. And sure enough, he played uh, an equally terrible villain in the Korra, Adventures of Korra. The, you know, the, I can't remember if that's, that's what it's called, but like the, the follow-up series to Avatar The Last Airbender. And that was cool for them. They're like oh, why does he always do bad guys and everything? So I'm trying to explain to my 10-year-olds who Henry Rollins is. So I found, yeah. like, a, a a video clip from one of his concerts from back in the day and showed him. And they're like, you know, they, you know, just long enough for them to get the gist and not traumatize them too much. But it was, you know, it was all good. There's this great, uh, do you know the YouTube Big Think? I don't. All right, so it's a YouTube channel. They just have random people kind of giving little life lessons for what they know about. Henry Rollins does one. And it's oh, nice, yeah. The story of his career and his his personal recommendation is just like, just sort of throw yourself into things. Just try things. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just like everything he's ever done was like either throwing himself out there when he wasn't qualified or being asked, like, hey, can you do this? And him going... Sure, and just showing up and trying to do his best at it. Oh, yeah. No, that's awesome. And the acting work? Yes, I have. Like, never, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so, yeah, Mossman is like the guardian of Grayskull, and that is, I believe, our first kill of the series, when Skeletor kills Mossman. <laughs> yeah, freaking Rosem doesn't even... Like, there's no bad guy monologue. There's, like, no time for it at all. And it's so freaking good because I feel like everyone's response in the show was, uh, like, I feel like the character, like, the audience's response mirrored the response of the characters in the show. Like, holy crap, I can't believe that just happened. And yeah. I think that's great. And I'm sure that's and I'm sure that's what people hated about it. They're like, oh, I can't believe they killed him. I'm like, that's freaking great because that makes me care way more about the show 
if mm-hmm. they're going to freaking torch Moss Man at the very beginning. Yes. Uh, You're especially un- when they made such a big deal that Moss Man was going to be in it and they, you know, they released the figures and stuff like that. And, you know, who doesn't love Moss Man? Also, Beast Man just covered in f- green flocking, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, if you're going to kill off Moss Man in the first, whatever, 20 minutes, and then, like, that goes down, and then I would say probably the best, I don't know, man, the best line of the whole part where it's like, um, and then, oh, and I wrote this down, like, the line, it smells like pine. Oh. Freaking great. Like, <laughs> the snark of Skeletor just freaking twisting that knife. Mm-hmm. So freaking good. And then the line where he says, you finally used that sword for what it was meant for, whatever. Like, yeah. Because He-Man stabs him with it. Because it's kind of that deal, like, you know, I remember thinking this as a kid of, like, the Ninja Turtles. Like, you all have stabbing weapons. Stab them. Like, (laughs) I I mean, I get it. You can't cut people up in a cartoon show. But, like, it always was weird to me. It's just like, just get rid of the swords. You're not using them. Right. And then, so that twist of, like, oh, okay, so he's referencing, like, oh, he's just stabbed me. But, like... No, he wanted him to be stabbed because he like could unlock the freaking crystal chamber. I can't remember what they called it, but like, I think that's <sighs> must be yeah. That's it. So what you find out yeah. is like in this fight. By the way, we also I should mention because this will come up later. We get yeah. our that there's some kind of romantic element between not only uh, Adam and Tila, but also between Skeletor and Evelyn in this episode. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they're doing the big fight. Skeletor, no, He-Man stabs Skeletor. Skeletor gives that great line Bill just mentioned. And what you realize is that there's this hidden door behind Skeletor. And so Skeletor seemingly had this master plan in this particular eva- invasion of Castle Grayskull. Like, you could, they do a good job of kind of displaying that when things go wrong, it's still kind of going to plan for him, you know? Yeah. And so when He-Man stabs him, Skeletor says, like, you finally used that sword for what it was made for, boy. And then you find out, like, you realize Skeletor's in front of a door. The sword went into a lock. It's actually a key. It turns, and then Grayskull vanishes. And you realize that Grayskull was a front, (laughs) quote, created by the elders to hide the Crystal Palace or whatever it is. Yeah. And so now that Skeletor has tapped into this resource, he is going to take the power. Like, he now has access to the real power, and he just has to, like, come into contact with it. So he tries to do that. The sorceress stops time, but she can only do that for a minute. Like, her power to stop time is very limited. And so He-Man has to step in and, like, essentially absorb this blast to stop it from happening and what he realizes is that he can stop it but it's going to kill him to do it but if he doesn't die to stop it everybody's going to die from like the power of this crystal palace being revealed and just blasting through the universe yeah and so skeletor while this is going on screams like that's my power he wants in he man's being so weakened that he becomes his true form, which is Prince Adam. 
Tila sees Prince Adam now. This is the first time she's realizing that he's He-Man. She never knew. And so this, like, <clears throat> kind of, like, more loving relationship she has with Adam, but then, like, the flirtation she had with He-Man, it's just hitting her, like, this is the same same person. And right as it hits her, you see Adam look back towards Tila, and then he dies. Yeah. Right at that Which moment. is freaking great. And and I can't, so I'm looking at my notes from this, and this is from a few days ago, and I really wish I could remember what uh, part of the show I wrote this down, but it said, good guys, just a bunch of punk-ass bitches. So I don't know what... Yeah. Uh, garnered that much disdain <laughs> at that point for me i think it was just when skeletor was just like tearing everything up and like it like you said even if it's going wrong for skeletor it's still going to his plan like yeah. this is so freaking great there <clears throat> gosh so you i mean really you're right <laughs> the guys moss man got killed he man got killed the sorceress was forced to age like 80 years, right? Right, right. And then Skeletor seemingly got killed, but he's not done. Yeah, well, and then the whole scene at the end with uh, Randor, like, realizing, like, oh, I was a huge dick to my son, and I shouldn't have been because he was really He-Man. Which that now that I'm thinking of it, like that kind that part kind of bothers me because did he realize that like, oh, I should have been nice to my son because my son's dead and I just should have been nice to my son? Or is it like, oh, crap, well, if I knew my son was He-Man, I would have been nicer to him. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, what what, what was the, the motive behind that realization of, uh, oh, crap, I shouldn't have been such an a-hole to my son. But to be fair... You know, I don't know. This is what I liked about this one. Like the little they showed of Prince Adam, they didn't make him such of a useless doofus like in the old episodes. Like, you know, I'm trying to be an idiot on purpose. Yeah. Like in the original Prince Adam versus, um, you know, this Prince Adam just seemed like. He I'm just a, a regular dude who's not buff. <laughs> yeah, he was a <sighs> friend to his friend Tila. Yeah, his he dad. Wasn't a, he wasn't a dandy <laughs> in the first one, you know. So, and like when uh, Prince Adam's dad, the king, saw Man in Arms um, looking at Tila, he said, "That's parental pride, Adam." Something I sure wish I could feel one day. Yeah. Holy shit. That was a harsh line. I forgot about that. Super a-hole line. But Adam, it's like, you can tell it hurts him, and he kind of internalizes it, but he swallows, and he looks back to his friend Tila, and then he smiles again. Just like, this is just, I don't have to. It's just like, that's the mature response, you know? If I can add a, a rabbit hole to this that is that's pretty interesting because that you saying that got me thinking of this i watched this super cool video on youtube and i, I can't remember the station but this guy it just randomly popped up 
and it was about Lord of the Rings, and it said why uh, Aragon is the best depiction of masculinity. And I'm like, okay, I can I can go for that, like because Aragon's a great character and everything. And this guy was really kind of trashing the idea of like the hyper alpha male character. And then, like, the really whimpering, like, simpering kind of beta male male character of, like, oh, he's, you know, he's a tragic hero. Like, shut up. No one cares. Like, and, right, just, yeah. and, so, and so basically this guy did a really nice job outlining it. And then he did a video for Frodo on how Frodo is such, like, an amazing hero of the movie and talking about, like, parallels of, like, dealing with depression and handling that stuff and everything. And then he also did one on Gandalf. So it's cool stuff. But anyways, what you're saying is, is like in that moment, Adam could have easily have said like, fuck you, dad, I'm he man. And like blown everyone's minds. Right. So exercised power needlessly. Uh, and this guy pointed out the fact that like Aragorn had all this power and he chose not to yield it because it wouldn't have been appropriate for him to wield it at that time versus just going full, you know, superhero and like, you know, I'm just going to blow everything up and damn the consequences, you know? Yes. <clears throat> oh, okay. That was awesome. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So then, uh, yeah. A man at arms, Teela, they go back to the castle. They tell the king that He-Man is dead, and Randor gets told it's his son. And uh, he tells man at arms he's banished from the castle, and if he ever sees him again, he'll have him beheaded or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you'd have him executed. Like, yeah, that's the word he used. Yeah. What the hell, like, dude? That yeah. part, yeah, that was that was really harsh. And then you know everyone. Deals yeah. with stuff in their own way, especially cartoon people when they're dealing with cartoon grief. But then, like, in the middle of all this, Teal is just going to be like, I hate all of you, and I'm leaving. Like, everyone? Like, you're really going to lump in, like, sweet little Orko and Cringer into that? Like, I mean, but then again, if that's the story they wanted to do, and Netflix is like, you've got five episodes... And on the other hand, who really wants to stretch out like this into like an odyssey of, you know, storytelling, like it's got to move it along. So that's I like so you mentioned toxic fan culture before. And that's I disagree with like ninety nine point nine percent of the criticisms of the new trilogy. The only one I do agree with a little is that I think for the ninth movie, I wish it would have. And really just one or two scenes, but I wish they would have slowed the scenes down just a little. Yeah, yeah. They'll have like a significant event, and I just wish it could breathe a little bit more. Like yeah, I you're right. To feel the emotional resonance just a little more. <laughs> like so, the line when uh, Poe Dameron says, somehow the Emperor came back. And it's like, you're not going to give us any little more exposition on that? Like, I don't know, somehow it came back. Like, okay. okay. <laughs> like what you just said is right you know they've got 10 episodes they have the story arc they want to cover it you have to shave like and that's the hard part about 
having boundaries, you know, having these walls that you have to live within. Like, okay, you have this great story. We'll approve it. We'll give you 10 episodes. Like, okay, well, now we have to blah, 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 fit it all in. And, okay, so you got to speed things along. <clears throat> and that's that's the constraints of doing things that will fit a certain time. But I do wish that, like you said, like the whole <sighs> – Tila turning, I wish we would have gotten a bit more of a slow burn there. Yeah. I wish, like, one by one, seeing, like, the disillusionment of, like, all the, of the views of all these people that she had looked up to. The king, right. like, he was never, you know, a great guy, even though he was looked at as one, I guess, <clears throat> with honor. But you see him disrespect his son completely, like, say something that could humiliate him and deeply hurt him. And then he blames a guy, a totally innocent guy, who was trying to save his son's life when he dies. Um, and then Teal, yeah, that's it. Tila blows off Orko, blows off Cringer. She tells Man-at-Arms, her father and the king, you know, I was risking my life over and over for all of you, and you lied to me. I guess, like, she just lost somebody she's theoretically in love with. And she now feels like maybe I didn't even really know him. So again, it's that disillusionment. I get it. Like you, uh, one of the video talking about videos again, I watched this video a few weeks ago and it was talking about the mental and emotional benefits of having a breakdown and why that can be oh, okay. a healthy thing. If you have a breakdown, essentially it's like, here is why your body is forcing you to break down. This is the healthy thing your body is doing for you when it happens. Well, this, that's interesting. Yeah. You have to come back from your breakdown. Quote unquote, come back. You have to go to a new place, essentially. But um, yeah, it's like your body is essentially saying, like, we can't exist like this. So we're shutting you down so you can reset your circuits. Yeah. If, if, since you're not going to do it for us, we're going to do it for you. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's a circuit breaker in your house. It just yeah. throws the switch before your house burns down. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. That's it. And so kind of doing that thing, I think that was her equivalent of a breakdown. Like, I can't live this moment with you guys. I feel betrayed. I feel like everything I knew was a lie. And the one person who I had the most emotional investment in, they're dead. And there's this huge part of their life and, and my life that they were keeping hidden from me. So what do you yeah. do? If you can't live in that world, you go create another one, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, that's a good way of putting it. And then you're just like, I'm out. You know? Yeah. You know, and I guess, and this is later episode stuff, but then I think the thing that bothered me more about her character, at least watching the episodes up until the most dangerous man in Eternia. So I have two more episodes to watch, I think. Okay. Like it's it's one of those things is like she just keeps hammering that, you know, that that thing. It's just like, okay, so you're telling this to people who also have lost a crap load of stuff. You what? know what they're doing? They're still moving on and trying to help. Yeah. You know? That's, and, that, yeah, and that's what, I, especially if man at arms, like that whole part where she was giving him crap and said like, oh, we thought you were family or whatever and thought you cared. 
and she's saying this to a dude who's taking care of who's raised essentially three different people and keeping Orko alive where yeah. if you're up to he just would have starved to death because whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Tila is wrong and that's it. She is wrong. And you and me both, like we have this, this like, I, I've told you, talked to you before about like how much it hurts. When it's, I feel like somebody like abandons the team, you know? Yeah. Oh Yeah. Anyway, the episode ends with Tila throwing down her crown that she was given when she was made the official man-at-arms, letting her hair down for the first time. And yeah. Of He-Man, we see that red hair fall, and she just walks out of the castle. And that's how the episode ends, with Tila just saying, screw this, screw all y'all, I'm out. Oh, man. <laughs> so... I would love if they were to do some of the like in today's episode and and not make fun of like the today's episode thing. I mean, that could have been a cool touch they threw in, but yeah. you know, whatever. I'm sure they had their reasons for not wanting to put that in there, but that would have been a cool thing for them to add in. Yeah, Kevin <clears throat> on the record, I don't know if you saw this, he said that he had it in mind to make this show for people that loved He-Man as a kid and to make something they could enjoy with it as adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would do like these adult lessons about depression or Oh gosh. <laughs> this is how you can file your taxes on time. <laughs> well, but you know what? I'm glad, you know, cuz the thing though I was a little worried about was um and this was something that one of my friends on Facebook shared uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what Batman movie it was that came out. But, you know, he was saying how he was definitely a fan of the Batman movies and thought it was great and everything and how he loved them and all that. But he had he has a daughter and she was like five at the time or whatever. And he was just commenting. He's like, I really wish, you know, we could get some of this stuff and have it not be always dark and edgy because yep. he's like, you know, I would just love to take my daughter to a Batman movie, mm-hmm. you, you know, and just have it be like a, a, you know, the Batman series from back in the day and not have it be, this is a dark, edgy Batman movie, you yep. know? So I was a little concerned that, you know, and the girls weren't into it. I mean, they, like I said, they watched a few episodes and they're like, eh, that's kind of cool. And then that was it. But, you know, I'm glad that they didn't make it too grown up. And I have a frustration when they're like, oh, we're going to reboot this thing and we're going to reboot it for the people who grew up with it. Because going back to what I said earlier about like childhood magic and all that, we've we've had our chance with Mm he-man so we i don't need it again so don't gear it towards me gear it towards my kids so maybe they get a chance to have it again you know what i mean and that's how i feel about like some of the toys like you know the toys are cool but the toys aren't for kids they're meant for adults which it's cool i'll buy them you know whatever uh, I think it sucks they don't have a merman one. So what the hell's up with that? Like, what? you know, uh, yeah, yeah. That's my criticism. They ruined my childhood because they gave him a normal voice. Uh, 
But you you know what I mean? Like, don't make it for us. Make it for the kids. It's kind of like when Bill Nye announced that he was doing a, a show on Netflix. I was super pumped because I thought it was going to be like, all right, cool. He's doing Bill Nye the Science Guy for a new generation. Well, mm-hmm. it's a science show for adults. Well, shit, we don't need a show for us. Give it to the kids. Give it to the children. The children need Bill Nye. <laughs> you know, the children need, you know. But, but anyways, long-winded way to say, I feel like they did a good job of making it for us and also for the kids. It wasn't like too edgy. They didn't throw any crap in there that I didn't feel like explaining to my daughters. You know, so it was good. My seven-year-old Zoe, she loves it. She's watched it one and a half times with me so far. Nice. Looking to watch it the other night. Yeah, and she is very much a uh, kind of an innocent child. You know, like dark stuff kind of bothers her. She doesn't like it. She'll want to turn it off. But she likes this He-Man. Nice. She'll turn her head at a couple parts, but that's it. You know, it's it's great. It's great. So yeah, I do like that. It can appeal to the younger. Younger set a bit too. It is still kind of dark, like your friend brought up with the Batman stuff. All right, so Bill, okay, final thoughts about He Man, I guess episode one. And tell before we do, before I wrap this, um, yeah, our first reaction. So I'll say, because we didn't really talk about our first, uh, we talked a little bit about it, but first when I saw this episode one of the reboot, I was geeking so freaking hard. Oh, I was like, of it my heart was i was getting warm fuzzies like yeah yeah i I don't no joke i i'm going to be one of those weird lamo whatever old dudes but like i i kind of teared up at that first he-man transition because it just because it just brought back that freaking pulse pounding your seven years old and you've seen this a hundred times but like holy crap he's doing it again you know what i mean like it's just so freaking great i was geeking out and i was excited i mean because it was with what they did in that first episode uh it, you know it's it was very clear like that whole like this ain't your mama's he-man you know what i mean like this is something new like they're they have no qualms uh killing off moss man Killing Skeletor, killing He-Man. And it definitely made me want to watch the next episode. I'm like, well, what the hell are they going to do now? They've just killed off the two main characters. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's like, okay, next. Let's let's go next. And, you know, I want to see what happens with this episode and then just do it that way. So, yeah, I I loved it. And watching it the second time, I'm like, yeah, this is still freaking great. Um you know, the, the lines, the one-liners of, like, smells like pine. I may not be clawful, but I'm awful. Like, so freaking good. Come on. And, right now, you know. Uh, it's got the dialogue popping up on it. The, the line immediately after mm, smells like pine when he burns up Moss Man. <laughs> yeah. Can't tend the garden without pulling out a few weeds, eh, he Oh, may- my gosh. Damn, so good. Man, the poetry of Skeletor, so freaking good. (laughs) Love it. I'm with you. I'm with you. The first time I saw it, again, like I said, warm fuzzies. Um, I geek again. The line from the movie, the picture from the old comics that used to come with the action figure. You're seeing like these action figures. I don't remember any episodes with Clamp Champ. 
not a ton with fists though and it's just like oh there's that figure and there's that figure and well in the vehicles like the giant the triceratops battering ram thing uh-huh. that uh well i think it was trap jaw was driving around the buzzsaw little dudes with the face i mean it's yeah. so good like it was just great to see it on screen like that's it that they're they're setting up the battle that everyone would have loved to have set up had they had the action figures enough for it you know and they're starting out with that they're not ending with that they're starting with it which i thought was great yeah and now they've got the uh second he-man series up to watch i haven't checked out that one yet have you I haven't, and I'm really hesitant to do it because I'm really annoyed with how the animation looks. I, okay. S- something about it just really annoys me, and I really don't have any plans to watch it, although I may check it out. Okay. And, and part of what annoys me about it is it's just the idea of I just feel like it's not creative. I feel like it could have done could have been animated in a much more interesting way than like a style that I feel like has been animated. Well, like I, f- I feel like I've already seen that cartoon without having to watch it. In a way you have, it is by the animation company that did the star Wars cartoons. Oh, okay. Uh, That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So same yeah. company, they got the license for this, uh, the show, this, the new one is called He-Man and the masters of the universe. The one we've been talking about this episode is called He-Man. No, it's called Masters of the Universe Revelations, I believe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Revelation. And so, yeah, it's a totally different medium, whereas the Revelation is like this whole new chapter. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is, I believe, sort of like revisiting the original story and just kind of a continuation of it. Yeah. I got the impression that it was like a, a prequel type thing. I don't know. It might be if that if that's accurate, although I don't understand how it can be a prequel if everybody looks like they're robots. I don't know. But, you know, I'll check it out and see what it is. And then, you know, I'll pass my old man judgment upon it. And then (laughs) (laughs) I think this will probably be a little bit more kid friendly. It is rated Y TV Y7, you know. Okay. yeah. I couldn't be more pleased. I think I was in a good mood for almost legit a week because I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, He-Man was so good. It was crazy. Like you and I, Nick, we essentially waited. Like they've made new He-Man series. You know, they were okay. Um, But this was great. This was the first like 35 years, not 35, you know, like 30 years or whatever it's been. That I've been like actively engaged in like ah, He-Man. I want to watch He-Man. So good. Yeah, yeah. And and hearing you say that just now makes me think of something that you and I have talked about. Like, if you could ever have the possibility and go back and tell your younger self, hey, you get to do this fun thing, like how much your younger self would freak out. Like, for example, you know, I know you went to the the more recent wrestling event here in Cincinnati. Like, uh, if you could go back and tell your younger self, hey, younger self, uh, when you're my age, you get to go see a real wrestling show in Cincinnati with one of your best friends. Like, and you would just freak out. So, you know, a small enough thing, but still like, 
hey, younger self, you're going to get a chance to watch new He-Man and Skeletor freaking wins. Who wouldn't freak out? Like, oh, that'd be so good. You know, well, except for the guys who'd be like, oh, you're just going to ruin my childhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forget the haters. Forget all the complainers online. If you watched this as a kid, go watch it. You'll love it. It's, I'm going to use the phrase joyful. It is joyful to see how they execute this. It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah and the stuff they add in. I mean, I mean, Stinkor gets on there. You know, and and they did say because they did you watch the after show, like the interview yeah. after show with it? Yeah, I mean yeah. I didn't realize this, but they said he Stinkor had never been uh is it Stinkor or Skunkor had never been in you know featured in a show as just a toy. No. Uh, yeah. So that so in this so in this series that's the first time he was ever animated. Wow. I, I did not know that until I was watching the after show when they were talking about that. I thought that was cool. Shout out to my sister, by the way. Heather, I love you. Hi. When we were kids, I was playing He-Man, and uh, I used her lunchbox for the jail sometime. <laughs> yeah, I know where this is going. And you messed I, up her lunchbox with Stinkor, didn't you? Yeah, I put Stinkor in there, and I forgot I had him in jail. Her lunchbox never didn't smell like skunk. Oh, man. What was the lunchbox? Was What was on it? She'll, she'll get back to me on it, because it was her favorite lunchbox. I remember that. Yeah, and, yeah holograms but i'm not positive Jeez, that's got to be like the most uh distilled uh to a a very concentrated potent elixir of 80s childhood right there like argument between siblings because you ruined her favorite plastic lunchbox with your potentially toxic stink or action figure (laughs) oh that's awesome Gosh. Mom, he put his toy in my lunchbox and now it stinks. And you probably thought it was badass too, like, yeah, Stinkor did it. <laughs> <laughs> I I felt really bad. I do remember that I apologize a lot for it. Yeah. But um we'll say randomly, Jim of the Holograms. Did you ever see that as a kid? I I remember seeing a few episodes, but not enough to like really leave an impression. Okay, so Yeah. 10, uh, I don't know, couldn't be 10, like maybe eight years ago or so, they had this on Netflix. And I was like out at a cabin with a few friends, a couple friends, and um, because that was on Netflix, ooh, we watched this as kids, let's watch Jim and the Holograms. Pilot episode, they totally imply that Jim just like slept with her boyfriend every night in an orphanage. Nice. Saturday morning cartoon. It was just like, yeah, her boyfriend is like there. They're talking about how they're having a hard time. So it's like, it'll be okay. Let's just be together. And then they kiss, and then it fades to black. And then the next morning, he's there making breakfast. Oh my gosh! It's very what the heck. Yeah, yeah. Well, but <laughs> as not, like I know what they just <laughs> implied there. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> oh my gosh! What the heck? That's amazing. Yeah, well, and that and that fits into like you know the the whole phenomenon of like oh we can watch this movie with our kids, we watched it when we were kids, right? And and then you start watching it, you're like, no, nope, we can't watch this with our kids. We need to like turn this off quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the movie you had that experience with? Oh, it was Goonies. I mean, we should have yep. known. Me too. Yeah, I mean, we're like, oh, we can watch this with the girls, and we start watching is like. Damn, this has a lot of cuss words in it and a lot of 
you know. And then Elsie ended up watching it with Andrea because she wanted to. And we're like, I don't, yeah. don't really care and everything. Uh, right. Alice is really sensitive to any sort of cussing or at all. And Sloth alone is was kind of terrifying for her at the time. So she's like, I really don't want to. So, I mean, it's not like we're going to be like, no, you have to watch this movie of cuss words in it. You know, so. I'll say at least you kept it in the home. <laughs> Goonies to a uh, youth group one time that had like first and second graders in it. Oh my gosh! It was rated PG. I just didn't know that PG thirteen hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, that's it. You're right. Well, I mean, Poltergeist was PG. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Simpler times. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any final thoughts? I just gave mine on He Man. Do you have anything? No, I mean, just echoing everything you said. I mean, it's just a blast. I freaking loved it. It was just fun to see it again, have something have something old back around, but in a new way. It's super fun. It's just, you know, anytime, you know, I, I can't remember which friend um, said this, because I would love to give them the credit they deserve. And I think we might have been talking about Star Wars, or we might have been talking about something else. But... He just basically, he said, any chance the world gets to expand more so, it's it's great. Why would you not want more of an expansion of the world that you love already? Even right. if you even if you don't love all of it, there's at least something in there that you like. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, let's say, you know, The Last Jedi, for example. Um, but there are some scenes in that movie that excites me that it exists in Star Wars right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm so glad that they expanded this part of the universe, this literally in that case, this much more for me. So yeah, if you hate if you hate the new He-Man show on Netflix, whatever, but like, cool. But like, you can at least look and be like, okay, I finally got to see the freaking He-Man dinosaurs on screen. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you know, I mean, just like any expansion of the world you love is, is a win. You know, take what you want, throw the rest of it away. You yeah. still have your Filmation DVDs. Yeah. You know, they're not going to come smash them. It's all good. You know, your childhood's still intact. No one can bend time space and really take it away from you. So, yeah. So, yeah, any anytime there's something new I can get out of it, it's good. I completely agree. Completely agree. All right. We'll unpack this further in future episodes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you later. Cool.